Hey, I want to welcome you to our second conversation in our teaching series, Kingdom Come. The goal of this series is to ask some really big questions and to find the really big answers. And today, I don't think know if there's an even bigger question out there than the one we're going to wrestle with. It's something that we've all wrestled with at one point or another, and we've all come up with our own answer to it as well. For some, as we answer this question, it actually draws us to wanting to love God and to love people. And for some of us, when we come up with our answers, it actually makes us want to run from God, to run far and to run fast. So how we answer it could not be more important. But here is the question. The question is, what does God want? Like, what does he actually want? What is he actually doing? Why are we actually here? If we could work that out, we would be able to answer, I think, maybe the oldest question. Like, this question is older than a payphony station. It's older than Bible college. It's older than theologians. It's older than the church. It's older than civilization itself. From the very beginning, people have been asking, what does God want? And I am just wondering if in the next 20 minutes in our conversation here, we could actually know what God wants. You could know what God wants. Not just a few people, not just some, not for the pastors, not for the trained, all of us. Like all of us, including you and I, we could actually know what God wants. Because I believe that God wants us to know what he wants. I believe that he wants it so much that he would go far out of his way to try and help us understand and to give us everything we need to know what he wants. What he wants in the big and the macro, what he wants in the small, what he wants on the daily and what he wants for eternity. In this series, we're focusing on a chunk of something Jesus once said to wrestle with these big questions. Here is just a slice of what Jesus once said when people were asking him what we should ask from God. He said, pray like this, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that second thing that Jesus asked us to pray after that God would be kept holy, that we would see him as holy as we talked about in the last conversation. He said, pray that the kingdom would come and pray that his will would be done. Jesus Christ tells us to ask that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And now, the first really big thing for us to chew on with this, what Jesus tells us to pray for, is the fact that God actually has a will, that he has a will, and he has a will for you. He is not some distant, some far off, some uninterested, I'll check in on you every thousand years or so, God. He is personally invested and interested, and therefore he has a will, he has a desire, he has a want for you, and for your life. Ephesians 5.17 says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So if that's true and he has a will and he wants you to do things, then we can't live our lives just with our head in the sand. We can't even claim, well, he, he never really said that he wanted anything. He never told me what he wanted to do. And so I'm just going to live it out how I want. We can't pretend to have a relationship with God, but then say, you do you and me do me and I'll meet you at the pearly gates. Like that's not going to work. If God is genuinely actually interested in my life, has a will for my life, then I think I should be interested in finding out what that might be. Now, if I find it and I don't want it, fine. But I think every single one of us should be interested in finding out what God's will for our life would actually be. That's the big first thing to chew on. The second tasty morsel is this. 
that Jesus says that in what he's saying is that God gives us his will. He has a will for us and he gives it to us. It's why he said we should ask for it in prayer. We should ask for him to give us his will. And so trying to simplify this, it is God's will that our will would come into line with his will. Or it's, um, it's God's want that our wants would be what he wants so we would never need to want. This, I'm not simplifying this at all. Am I? Uh, maybe the Bible would actually put it best and simplest. Philippians 2.13 says that God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. There might not be just an easy slap on answer for what does God want. But there is also a lot of effort God is going to, to help us understand what he wants. He's not messing around here. There is a way he desires, he wants, has a will for you to live your life. And he doesn't want you to miss out on that. He doesn't want you to waste your life. Like God's not like going and taking someone out, like taking your girlfriend out and asking her where she wants to eat. And she's like, ah, I don't care wherever you want to eat. And then like a moron, you decide where to eat and you get it wrong, horribly, horribly wrong. Like knowing what God wants is more like going to dinner with my wife. Now, when I say to my wife, hey, honey, where do you want to go and eat? Like I've not gotten the first few syllables out before she's like, we're going to eat here because this is what I'm ordering because this is what I've been craving. It's really easy when I take my wife out on a date of where we go to eat. That's kind of what God is like. He wants us to know, and what he wants us to know is that he wants to work in us to bring about his will in our life. Like he brings it to us. It's simply not in us to be able to do it on our own. And what he's trying to work into us and change about us is is not this list of do's and don'ts. And what he's not trying to do is say, just listen to this other person. Let this other person tell you how it is. He's not saying just obey and follow every single word that comes out of a, a pastor, a prophet, a president, not even a parent, not even a spouse. The will that he has for us and the way that he wants us to understand it is far better What he wants to give us is something completely incorruptible. He wants to give us something that can't be lost, that will never abandon, that will never be selfishly driven, that cannot abuse, that will never neglect. Something that has greater power and greater desire for us to do the will of God than we ever would. What he offers us is a guide. What he offers us is someone who will correct. What he offers us is someone who will comfort and cheer us on as we receive the God-given ability to know his will and do his will. Check this out. Right before the very first Easter, Jesus gathered his followers together and he said, right after I die and I'm resurrected, right after Easter, I'm going to give you what you need to know God's will. This is what he said. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Moving on in verse 26, he says, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I have told you. Now, the Holy Spirit might well be the most misunderstood while also being the most magnificent gift that God has tried to offer us. The Holy Spirit is an equal part of God alongside God the Father and Jesus Christ. And he is given to us so that we can follow Jesus Christ. Like 
he is given to us as followers of Jesus Christ so we can follow Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is literally God with us, within us. The ability to obey Jesus, the ability to remember Jesus, the ability 24-7 to have access to God's will, both power and desire to do it. Now, just for a moment, imagine what that would actually be like. Imagine if as followers of Jesus Christ, we had the ability and the power to actually follow Jesus Christ. Like if we were given, imagine given the ability to be like Jesus, to be good, to be righteous, to be holy. Imagine what it would be like if we knew the will of God so well that we didn't stress about the things that aren't worth stressing about. What if we actually knew the will of God so we need not have anxiety? I feel like if we knew more about what God wants for our lives through the Holy Spirit, we would have less fear about tomorrow and more hope for tomorrow. We'd actually be able to do the things we say we want to be able to do and how we would, should do them. I believe that knowing God's will would be one of the most restful ways to live. What I'm not saying is, hey, get the Holy Spirit and everything by tomorrow will be fixed. What I am saying is the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. When Jesus told us to pray like this, when he said, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He knew full well that we could actually have God's will in our lives, his will in our job, his will in our money, his will in marriage, his will in sex, his will in parenting, his will in how to vote, his will in how to answer the big old question, what am I doing with my life? That for those of us who actually want it, we can ask and expect God to respond, the kingdom to come into our life, his will to be done in our life, just like it's done in heaven. This is the gift that God offers to know his will to the Holy Spirit living within us. And it leads to the great question, well, how do we receive that? If we actually wanted that to want his will and to want what he wants, how would we receive it? The first time anyone ever preached about Jesus after he died, like he died and was resurrected from the dead. And the first time someone preached, his name was Peter and Peter preached and he was the first pastor of the church. He was the first leader of the church, the first speaker of the church, the first evangelist. And he saw the first people come to Jesus after Jesus's death and resurrection. And when he preached, Jesus told everybody, hey, you have a sin problem. Sin are these evil things we do, this dark stuff that separates us from God. And so God found a way for us to become back right with him without us being able to have to try and work it out for ourselves. So he sent his son, Jesus. He told them that Jesus came to die to pay the penalty for every sin they've ever committed. He told them that Jesus was resurrected after he was killed. And he told them that belief in him would bring promise of God with them now and forever. And when he told them this, they asked him. He says, when Peter's words pierced their hearts, they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, for your children, for those far away and anyone who's been called by the Lord our God. We receive the Holy Spirit when we choose to be baptized. We choose to be baptized when we choose to turn and repent 
from our sin and choose to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. I was baptized uh, in where we live in the local middle school uh, in the swimming pool there because we had a big baptism event. And I was baptized like, feels like a long time ago, but it was probably only like eight or nine years ago. And I was baptized there. But before I was baptized, I went and talked to the founding pastor of Epiphany Station, Jeff. And I asked him if while he was baptizing me, if he could just kind of hold me under the water a while so I could have so I could have a conversation with God while I was being baptized. And so I asked him to do this. And before he did it, he explained to everyone what he was going to do. And I think that was just so that people didn't think he'd like snapped and had enough of my English nonsense. And he was just kind of like holding me under there. And so the plan was for me to go under and then just squeeze his wrist when I was ready to come up. And that's because when I was going to be baptized, I thought it's pretty good time to talk to God when you're being baptized. And so Jeff baptized me and he held me under. And, and here's, here's how the conversation went. I asked God to open up my eyes for him to be able to show me sin, what it is, how ugly it is, and to show it in my own life and where it needs to be done with and, and needs to be changed. And I asked him to show me how to help others come to Jesus. Those are the two things I asked for him to do in my life. And then Jeff brought me up and it was fantastic and I, I celebrate my baptism. Since then, whether I want to or not, I, I, I see where I'm not like Jesus. And I see where I'm not doing the will of God. I see the sin in my life and I see that it's ugly. I see what God wants me to do and what he doesn't want me to do. I don't always respond in the correct way, but I see it nonetheless. I've changed a lot in the last eight or nine years. I see that my wife needs a lot more care than I was giving her before I knew the will of God. I see who my children need me to be as their father. I see what I could do with my money and I could see what I can do with my work. I see what I could do with the will of God in my life. Now, this is just my experience. This is my experience of baptism. There wasn't any lightning. Uh, there was no gimmicks to it. I was baptized and I believe ever since then, God has been working into me the power and the desire to continue to do his will every single day. If you have been baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ, then you, residing within you, is the Holy Spirit. This is the thing that tells us what the will of God is. This gives us the ability to understand God's word and for it to go deep and for it to change us. It gives us the ability to hear from him on very specific things of what he wants to do. But we have to ask. We have to ask and want to obey what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. We get to ask, Holy Spirit, lead me. Lead me, tell me what to do. Show me, search me. Where is there sin that needs to be dealt with? How do I need to love God and how do I need to love people? Holy Spirit, show me the will of God. That's something that you get to do. But because it's misunderstood and because it's got the name Holy Spirit, which seems too magnificent for us to grapple with, we miss out on that. We miss out on letting the Holy Spirit lead and therefore we miss out on God's will in our lives. We, we get stuck. Even if we've come to Jesus already, we get stuck on living these same old patterns, trying to do it right under our own power without his direction, without his guidance. Now for some of you, for some of you, you don't have the Holy Spirit. For some of us, we get stuck. First of all, we get stuck in this idea of coming to Jesus like we actually need to. 
Maybe it's because we don't believe in God at all. That one's kind of a given and a done. Maybe it's because we don't believe sin is that bad or that we've done anything that wrong that we would need a savior from it. Or maybe we're just good enough to make up for it. For that, I would refer you to our first conversation in this series to help us understand who God actually is and why we need Jesus. Those of us who know we need to come to Jesus also need to know that we need the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And so if you have not been baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ, find somewhere to get that done. We cannot do what is good. We cannot do what is pleasing. We cannot be like Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit. And we receive the Holy Spirit when we submit ourselves to God. And we say, I know that I am a sinner and I know that I need forgiveness and I believe that Jesus Christ was killed and raised to life for me and I accept that gift. Then we get baptized. And if you're wondering if you should be baptized, if you never have been, if you're wondering if it's something that you're ready for, that you should do, then I wanna take us back to what Peter said. He replied to the people back then, if you're ready to repent, if you're ready to repent from your sins and turn to God, then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Too often we can get bogged down about when you should be baptized and how you should be baptized. We tend not to dwell on those things here. If you want to know the will of God, you need the Holy Spirit in your life and you need to find someone who will baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if that's us, and we had the opportunity to do that with you, we would love that. We've got people in our live experiences, right on our weekend experiences, that are regularly being baptized. And we would love to celebrate that with you too. And so if you want God to be working into you, the power, the desire, if you want what God wants, be baptized. If you have been baptized, once you're baptized, ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live my life? How do you want me to love God? And how do you want me to love people? That is how we get the kingdom to come into our lives. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you that you are so good as to want what is best for us. And so we ask that you would lead us by the power of your Holy Spirit to desire the power of your Holy Spirit, to want to be led by you, every good thing to be led by you. And so God, for those of us who've never made that decision to put our trust in you, God, now I ask that you would show them how to have a conversation with you, to accept your guidance and your goodness and say Jesus is their savior. And ask those who have not been baptized that you would lead them past their awkwardness, past their fear, to be able to just have a conversation with us, to be able to talk about what it could mean and how we could serve them in that way. God, I ask that we who do believe would be more about being led by you and actually following Jesus than ever. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.